Hi, and welcome to Rambling About Greek Mythology, a lax podcast where I just talk about a lot of Greek mythology. Today's episode will be us getting to talk about Demeter, to talk about who this goddess is, what her origin stories are, and some major and minor events she was involved in. So, who is Demeter? She's actually one of our first-gen Olympians, meaning she was of the original six, born from Cronus and Rhea. Demeter's not super complicated, but not also not particularly straightforward to pin down overall. So the main domain Demeter presided over was the harvest and agriculture, an extremely important role if you recognize the significance of farming, especially in ancient times. She's also kind of a more general earth mother goddess like Gaia. On top of all of this, she has an association with the underworld when it comes to the idea of like uh, that from the dead uh, rise grains since the bodies are buried in the ground and from the ground is where crops rise. It's a little strange, but it's kind of the idea at hand. She's also constantly depicted alongside some grain and crops, which is pretty straightforward, and most consistently her stories often featured a snake or serpent. Uh, snakes and serpents were these like mystical creatures that in some stories managed to even revive themselves, so that's just cool, you know? In the Roman pantheon, she's their equivalent of Ceres, with a C, um, or Ceres, I guess if you want to pronounce the C as a hard C. She also is really, really well known for her association with the city of Eleusis and her cult there, which we will discuss in one of the stories today. So the general idea of her as a goddess is pretty straightforward, if you were to jot a few things down. Uh, but when you dive into her name and origins, it gets more wacky. The first issue is whether or not her name actually shows up explicitly in the Linear A and B scripts, or if only her title, Mistress of Grain, shows up. That's always a little weird because there is something to be said about the idea of like the power of names and like invoking someone's name directly is not always the best decision one could make, and maybe that's why it's omitted, or it's the fact that her name was just not a thing that people were using at the time, right? And that kind of reflects the change in progress of her individual position in mythology, in Greco-Roman mythology. Uh, so that's why it's kind of an issue, well, quote-unquote issue of like, well, does it actually show up explicitly? There also um, there are also a lot of issues that come about trying to figure out what her name might mean. So if you look at the name Demeter, the second part, the meter part, is almost certainly the Greek Mater, which means mother. Uh, the first part of her name is the really complicated part, though. Uh, whether the like D-E slash D-A, it just kind of depends on how you want to render it into English and sounds and all that jazz. Mean So whether that D-E slash D-A means earth or some random grain makes it unclear and has us all scratching our heads wondering if we did already conclude the right answer or if there is some really complicated answer at hand at hand i don't think it's a bad yeah like guess or logic to assume that that means the de slash da is like a earth meaning just because like if demeter is also a generalized earth goddess this isn't the most ridiculous conclusion and usually a simple conclusion isn't the worst um but who knows maybe there's some really really complicated linguistics that we just do not know and cannot rationalize around so 
that's kind of the background on Demeter. Um, we can now talk about her like origin stories and myth and how that goes down. Her birth story is very straightforward. Um, so as you may remember, her father Cronos realized his kids would overthrow him and decided to swallow them whole as soon as they were born. A very natural conclusion people make, right? Demeter was no less a victim of this process like her four other siblings at the time and was swallowed whole. And once Zeus fed Cronus the emetic, an emetic is a thing that induces you to vomit, uh, which uh, he had made with the help of Metis, uh, Demeter was born. Well, I guess born again, but then you distinguish that from an epithet uh, for Dionysus that is born again or born twice. So that's the little birth story of Demeter. It's not super complicated. Uh, yeah, the the first six Olympians all have the same birth story, right? Uh, depending on your version, maybe some uh, some did not get swallowed, like Zeus um, and whatnot. But for now, it's pretty just straightforward. So we can now kind of dive into the stories about Demeter. This is where we really get to characterize her, right? Because when her birth story doesn't really show too much about her. There isn't really that much personality taking place. It's just like you were born, your father decided to swallow you whole because that's completely normal. Um, and then you were born and fought uh, for your liberty, I guess. So let's do these stories. The first story is perhaps the most important story about Demeter by a mile, and its impact and concept in mythology is very cool. I will note ahead of time that I'm not going to be relating all the details of the story because some parts are worth talking about on their own, and the story alone could take up like 15 minutes of time, and that's probably not that fun. So the story starts off with not Demeter, but her daughter by Zeus, Persephone. She was picking some flowers with some friends when Hades kidnapped her and brought her to the underworld. Demeter, not being able to find her daughter, spent nine days and nights looking for her before on the tenth day she was visited by Hecate and was told what happened. She was then led to Helios, who told her how it had all uh, been arranged by Zeus and Hades. Helios is the sun god, so there's this idea of like him being able to see everything when he looks out. So this naturally enraged Demeter, and one of two things happened. Either she shut herself off in a cave and made the earth barren, or, after coming to Eleusis, she made the earth barren for a whole year, almost killing mankind. Finally, Zeus faced the fact that, you know, he had to bring back Persephone to fix things, or all these mortals that they've generated are really screwed. Before Persephone returned, though, Hades fed her a few pomegranate seeds. This was a secret contract made that forced Persephone to have to spend a few months uh, of a year in the underworld as a result. The number of pomegranate seeds is always a fun discussion of how many there are. Um, you know, some say just a few, which could be anywhere from like four to five or six. Um, some sources say seven. Uh, but regardless, so this causes her to have to stay in the underworld for a bit. Um, and the story is the explanation for why the seasons exist. Because when Persephone is gone, it's winter time. This is when the earth is barren. Is This is like Demeter's, I guess, like morning slash like uh just period of like you know anger and this is like the result of persephone's kidnapping so it's a pretty sad story obviously um but it's neat when you think about that this is the explanation for the existence of winter because uh just a tangent before we move forward uh, the seasons were said to have been introduced during the age of when uh, the gods were ruling and no longer just the titans uh and so it's 
like, okay, yeah, the seasons were introduced, but then, you know, certain seasons are, I guess, quote unquote, somewhat natural, but then winter is like a strange one, right? Like, how do you explain that one when you don't have any science to explain what's going on? And so this is kind of the story that they have. The next story is a minor one, and it's amusing and being like really random, but also decently significant. So Demeter is in attendance at the wedding of Cadmus and Harmonia. Harmonia is that daughter of Ares and Aphrodite. So here she ended up getting it on with this guy named Yasion, a son of Zeus, in a thrice plowed field. I don't really know the significance of it being a thrice plowed field, but this is just like the thing to know. So side note, depending on your version, Zeus either thunderbolted the guy or Yasion grew old. Anyway. The result of Yasian and Demeter's union was Plutus, a minor deity of agricultural wealth, a transference, if you will, and potentially this guy named Philomelus, who invented the wagon. This is the sort of story that is neat and has some significance, but also, like, they are fairly minor in the grand scheme. It's an, inter- it's an interesting story if we ignore the version of Homer blasting Yasian, of, uh, of these being some of the very few children Demeter had. Uh, I think like that idea of, you know, having a mortal lover that actually lived on with the goddess is kind of just not a trope in myth. So when it does happen, it's like, whoa, this was a thing that was allowed and that's cool. Um, So this may be one of those, depending on your version. Uh, Also, I think just the transference is the thing to note, right? Like, this is an example of, despite Persephone already existing, these are in, like, really minor gods um, slash just uh, mortals that this is existing as a thing, and that's neat. So, the next big story is about one of the most OG ancient Greek cults, the Eleusinian Mysteries. During Demeter's time wandering, depending on your version, she came to the city of Eleusis under the name Doso. In due time, she was received by the queen Metanira and was made the nurse of the prince Demophon. Demeter took to Demophon and wanted to make him immortal, so she anointed him with ambrosia daily and would lay him to sleep in the embers of the fire at night. It was all going according to her. I wonder if it's like a, you know, I was thinking about this. I I was wondering if it was like a burning off the mortality type thing, and I think that's generally the idea of like being put into a fire. So it was all going according to plan, uh, till Metanira saw her one time and freaked out. And Demeter got angry, being like, bro, why are you messing up the process? And as a result, she either killed the baby or just revealed her true form and ordered Kellius, the king of Eleusis, to establish a great temple to her where they would worship her. So we'll just, you know, whether the baby died or not, which, uh, you know, is sad, but I guess not really that significant in this grand scheme. Um, she taught the... She taught the people of Eleusis, um, or some of the people of Eleusis, her secret rites, and inducted various notable men of Eleusis. This sort of origin story is whatever, but the nature surrounding the Eleusinian mysteries is really cool. The rites were really secretive, so no one really knows what went on, but the general idea was about the abduction of Persephone, and the rites always culminated in the reuniting of Demeter and Persephone. I just think a super secret religious cult in ancient myth is cool and has a decently interesting origin. And because of the lack of writing, it shows the like reverence and significance that exists around the Eleusinian mysteries. But then you also wonder like, you know, what was actually going on? How much did like your average Joe know? Right. That's, I think, the question. Or was it just like a 
oh yeah, there's those mysteries in that one city and they're really famous and important to Demeter and that's just kind of where things ended. Uh, so I think that's like what makes it so sick to me. This next story is really random, um, but it shows how nice Demeter is if she favored you, but otherwise it's just kind of whatever. On the island of Drapane, also known by a thousand other names, lived a girl named Macris, whom Demeter was really fond of. The Titans apparently lived on the island as well, but when the world had exited the Golden Age and entered the Silver Age, uh, crops no longer just grew without any effort. Um, this meant that the Earth's inhabitants had to learn agriculture and all that jazz. This was the sort of thing about the Golden Age is what makes it so nice was that, you know, you didn't have to work. Uh, crops just grew and like rain just fell and everything worked out great and that was just that and you didn't have to do a thing you just chilled and did whatever you felt like doing so demeter as a result taught the titans to plant crops so that the inhabitants could all eat and live because uh, you know she didn't want macros to starve and die and the little neat tidbit here is that sickle uh, which is used to harvest and cut crops is where drapana supposedly gets its name from like drapana is supposedly uh, a word for sickle, and that's the uh, kind of idea and origin story at hand, which I thought was kind of neat. But it is a really, really random uh, side story, but I think it's cool. Our penultimate story of the day is about two significant children of Demeter, Arion and Despoina. So when Demeter was passing through Arcadia, this is while she was wandering looking for Persephone, Poseidon decided to chase her to rape her. So Demeter fled in the form of a mare among the horses of a local king named Onchius, but Poseidon simply changed into a stallion and raped her. Uh, she then bore two children, Arion and Despoina. Uh, so Arion actually became an extremely famous divine horse, known for being really fast and just straight up built different. Um, there are like, different stories about him and what he managed to do for the mortals that he helped. Despoina, on the other hand, is kind of a mystery, haha. So the name already just means mistress. So perhaps like Despoina isn't even actually her name. Like that was a thing. So she's a part of the Alicinian Mysteries. Um, and so this is a whole thing of like Despoina may just be a cult title. And that was what you would refer to her as unless you were in the Eleusinian Mysteries. If you were in it and you were performing the worship and the rites and whatever, there was an actual name for her. But this general title was how she was to be referred to otherwise. So either way, she was seemingly worshipped alongside Demeter and Persephone and was clearly a notable figure in the Eleusinian Mysteries and has some overlap with Persephone in terms of like her rites and things that are performed for her. But they are noted to be distinct, which is an interesting, like, complication, I guess, slash, like, uh, weird, you know, delineation of what's actually going on here. Um, but yeah, I just think that's a cool bit. Um, obviously, the story itself is messed up and Poseidon sucks, but this is more about uh, talking about the children here in this case and what their uh, roles were in myth. Our final story of the day is quite the fun one. So there once was an impious axeman named Erisichthon who felt like building a banquet hall. So he needed to get some lumber and decided to cut down trees in a sacred grove of Demeter. Seemingly, this was actually generally okay, but then he decided to cut down a large old oak tree. 
When he swung into it with his axe, blood began to flow from the nymph who lived in it, and nonetheless he cut the tree down. Then the nymphs who used that space to and danced, uh, sorry, who used that space and would dance under that tree, reported him to Demeter and begged for him to be punished. Demeter sent the personification of hunger to afflict said hunger upon Erisichthon. So when our man's woke up, all he could think about with his new banquet hall was eating. He ate and ate and ate and ate, depleting and ravaging all of his wealth. Once he had no money left to obtain food, the stores were all gone, there was nothing to do, he sold his daughter Mestra into slavery. Mestra, fortunately, was a, well, seemingly this, this was consensual, at least from the way this stuff's been written, was a former lover of Poseidon. And so she prayed to him and was like, bro, you gotta help me out. Um, I This is such a terrible situation. So Poseidon gave her the ability to shapeshift. So what she would do is, is she would be sold into slavery so Erisichthon could get some money. And then she would just shapeshift and leave. Um, the first time she did this, uh, it was she turned into a fisherman and just left. And like, I mean... What's the person who uh, got Mestra going to do, right? They have, they're like, I don't see a Mestra, and she's clearly shapeshifted, so you just kind of lose her. Uh, this only worked for so long, though. Um, Erisikthon eventually faced his ultimate demise and his final punishment, so his body became his last store of food, and he slowly ate himself until he finally died. This is a pretty brutal story and extremely unique in punishment. Uh, not just like the, you know, oh, you have to eat too much or you cannot eat food, but, uh, you know, obviously consuming yourself. Um, but it's fitting once more as it matches the vice and hubris of Erisichthon with, with his transgressions, right? Like, you know, he makes this banquet hall and look what ends up happening. He just eats himself instead. Um, so a real turnaround for him. And I'm sure he did not see that coming. So overall, those are our stories for today. I think the thing to understand about Demeter is her domain and like all her stories do revolve around the idea of agriculture. She doesn't have too much of a variance. I mean, even the Eleusinian mysteries are centered around this idea of agriculture and the harvest. Uh, like despite it being the story about Persephone and Demeter, right? That story is about the harvest more generally speaking. Um so her personality clearly shines through um, as being another like god who punishes mortals for their hubris, but she also seems to have a fair number of mortals she actually favors and helps out, which is also pretty unique since they aren't like her children. I think usually most deities will help their children, but helping others is not super, super common unless they have some ulterior motive. Um, the other thing about Demeter is, is that she is not so, like, vengeful and warring as a goddess, right? So she isn't, like, shooting people down with their bow or, like, chopping their head off or something. Um, any punishment that she does inflict is always, like, pseudo-indirect, right? Like, she's causing it, but she it's not, like, a direct harm to the person that's happening. I guess unless you count Demophon being dashed into the floor or something, um, but generally speaking, her punishments aren't really like that. Uh, so I think that's also kind of 
uh, neat and shows that, you know, that niche of like uh, more physical violence and stuff is not something that she's a part of. And some stories of Demeter, like Arianna Despoina and the Ellicinian Mysteries, makes you wonder about her more general significance beyond this goddess of bounty um, due to the fame of those things, which, you know, it makes this conjecture of her name being like uh, the like Earth Mother um, more and more appealing because it would feel like her roles are a lot bigger before actually entering the Greco-Roman pantheon and the Elysian Mysteries being these massive mysteries that were you know, they ran for like a thousand years, at least, if not more. Um, It makes you wonder, like, how big of her position did she generally exist in the more, like, vague form of the Greco-Roman pantheon um, than she did once it was more finalized. So, yeah, I think that's a little bit of food for thought and an interesting piece on Demeter, because it feels like, while I've said she's straightforward to a fair degree, it does feel like there's a lot of open-ended questions about her. So, that's it for today. Next episode, we'll focus on Dionysus, talking about who he is, what are his origins, and some stories he's involved in so he can understand the Greek god of wine. As always, please let me know if you have any comments, questions, or concerns at ragm1928 at gmail.com. I'm always more than willing to answer. I hope you had so much fun listening and learning. So thanks so much, and take care.